Recording in progress. Yes, again, welcome everybody. Great to have you. God bless you all. Um, before we begin, as always, I want to remind us to get our Bibles. Um, I hope to be doing a bit of reading today. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> Again, if you can get your actual um, you know, paper Bibles, I think there's something special in, in having it right before you. And uh, and also, just a way of reminder, um, as we join, um, let's uh, let's stay focused. Let's remain focused. Um, I understand that <clears throat> you know we have uh, maybe different things that are going on. We have you know perhaps children around us, or uh, maybe there's some busy construction. Uh, some loud construction across your street or something like that. Um, these are things that we can't control, and that's fine. And uh, But if there are things that you can control, I would ask that you control that. Um, you know, have some discipline and things that can you can put off for later, do put off for later. Amen. I want you to understand the importance of concentration. <clears throat> it takes discipline to concentrate. Um, me and a brother last night had a wonderful time of prayer, man. Um, we had to have prayed maybe two hours or longer. And I say that not to boast. Um, I don't say that to boast, but I, I only say that because um, the time flew by. And um, I welcomed them over to my house, and <clears throat> we didn't have even music. Music is, you know, a great tool, and if you use music during prayer, I encourage you to use music. It helps you to stay focused. But <clears throat> that's all to say that it was really just the Holy Ghost that inspired our praying, and um, we're just bouncing back off each other, we're doing a lot of intercessory prayer, and. The presence of God was sustained throughout the entire prayer meeting. And it was so glorious because we felt the weight of the glory of God. You know, we were praying um, for the destruction of wicked regimes and the judgment upon uh, tyrants and oppressors and liberation of persecuted believers. And there were many tears and burdens that God had put on our souls. Um, as well as personal needs, and I just love I love praying uh, because it's it's either God is there or He's not, Amen. Because you can get away with Bible studies, you know, being stimulated in your mind and having the the comfort of you know getting fed more Bible. You know, they do that in seminaries all the time in Bible colleges, but they're not growing any closer to God. Um, <clears throat> So, anyways, um, I, I say all that to say that it requires discipline. And, you know, we, we put our phones aside and it was just me and my brother and the Holy Ghost. And, um, and so I hope that that's what we can have this day. 
Amen. And so, Amen. Um, <clears throat> yes, let's let's have some discipline. Amen. And uh, get in the Holy Ghost. Um, and a sec, uh, the second thing I wanted to say is that you have to understand also the importance of sitting under the preached word. Um, I, I am I am privileged by the Lord to say that um, I'm not a sermonizer. You know, I posted something on my Facebook that, you know, we have too many men that are sermonizers and not agonizers. Um, and if you're not an agonizer in the prayer closet, the people whom you preach to will agonize in in distress because they're going to be so bored. They're going to be bombarded by boredom because God doesn't come. You know, you, you can know your Greek and Hebrew and you can know all the theology in the world uh, and you know enough to be a walking library but if the holy spirit doesn't speak to you and incite faith in your heart then what's the purpose our purpose isn't to hear men our purpose is to hear from the throne room amen and so for those of you especially who aspire to preach the living word um you have to become acquainted with with getting your messages from the throne room you know, you can be a public speaker, and we have plenty of them. We need more than public speakers. We need people who know what it is to stand before the living God. That's what we need. Men and women imbued with the power of the living Christ. You know, I, I had the privilege of, of you know, a, a friend of mine, one of my old homeboys that, we, that I grew up in the same neighborhood, and... You know, he's a big-time uh, uh, drug pusher. You know, he, so, he sold drugs and everything, and, and he was also a gangster. You know, he was, uh, uh, you know, deep in that lifestyle. But anyways, I remember trying to tell, to tell him about God sometime back, years back, and um, he just wasn't listening, right? But anyways, I was passing through my own neighborhood, and then, I, you know, I happened to... <clears throat> Uh, interact we had spoken it's been a long time since I talked to him sad thing is um you know his little nephew um anyway no that's a different story but we were talking and he's just going through some things and you know he and I said hey man I gotta get going um but he said hey man uh before I had, I had taken off he looked me in my eyes he said bro he said pray for me man keep me in your prayers please and he said that from a, a deep request in his heart. It wasn't just a, you know how you know you get on Facebook and people say, pray for me, and everyone is like prayers, right? But they don't really pray. They just say that. It's almost like a condolences, right? Like, I'm sorry for your situation. They just say prayers. It, that's all it means is I'm sorry to hear that. They don't real, they're not going to go and actually pray for you. Nine out of ten times, but it, it it blessed my heart because here is someone who is in darkness, and and who knows that if I pray, something will happen. Amen. See, it's Amen. see, it's not just the church that Amen. should be telling you, asking you, pray for me. Yes, the church should be asking you. But remember this, my brothers and sisters, that it was even Pharaoh who said to Moses, pray for me that these plagues would leave. 
See, we need to have pharaohs and, and magistrates and, and, and people of the world that you work with who say, hey, I know that there's a God on your life who I don't know and you have favor with him. Will you pray to your God that he would intervene and change my situation? You know, uh, when I was talking to my brother last night, you know, he went into, because uh, here in our in the mall, sad to say, I haven't seen this all, all my years living in my town, but but this year had had come a, um, an occultic shop here in the mall. There's, you know, crystals and magic books and spell books and all this stuff, and he went in there. <clears throat> You know, not to buy anything, but he was just, you know, you know, he's scoping it out and he wanted to talk to the person to see if he was the, um, the owner or just an employee. He says, you're, are you the owner? And he says, uh, yeah. He says, Hey, I have a question for you. He said, what is it? He says, do you have power? And he was taken aback, but I told my brother, I said, I love that question. You know why? Because if, if you're just a Christian that's all talk and just no head knowledge, you can't ask those sort of questions because the witches and the warlocks will come back and say, I do got power. What about you? Amen. You better be uh, abiding in the Holy Ghost and be able to say, yes, I got power and I got more power than you. Amen. This kingdom isn't, and this is what Paul says, isn't a matter of mere talk, but it is a matter of power. Amen. So when the name of Christ is named, the demons from whom you gain your strength will tremble and shudder under the power of the Holy Ghost and the mention of his matchless name. Amen. <clears throat> but anyways, um, let, let us... Let's pray it. Father, I just come before you, Lord. We come to the throne of grace boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, I thank you that, as your word says, that to the God who answers prayer shall all flesh come. And Father, we are flesh. We are mere mortal. We are men fraught with weaknesses and frailties and, and sicknesses and infirmities and and needs, O oh Lord, and Father, we know that we are not enough in ourselves. We need you. We need your power. We need your glory. We need your anointing. We need your strength. We need your compassions. We need your, your great and tender mercies. For your mercies fail not. Lord, I thank you as the psalmist exclaimed, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father, that your mercies have not failed over thousands of years, though men provoke you to your face. Thank you, O Lord, that you're still living and you rose again from the dead and you're ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high, ever living to make intercession for your saints. God, I thank you that you haven't failed to be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. In this moment, God, I pray that your spirit would rest upon me and that you would grant me, Father, prophetic insight, that you would 
Allow me to speak, as Richard Baxter said, as a dying man to dying men, as if I could never preach again. Father, may I be an oracle of God that would bless the hearers this day. Father, strengthen your people, uplift your people, root your people, establish your people. Father, may they be informed and, and, and well informed, O Lord, that they would not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Father, may the angels re rejoice tonight. May, may the devils tremble and shudder this day, Father. Oh God, I pray that the kingdom of darkness would be pushed uh, uh, many miles back this day at, at the uh, obedience of your people, at the uh, turning of uh, away from sin, Lord. Let your people would turn away from sin and that we would come to know you more in an intimate way. God, I pray that your word would go forth with clarity and with conviction and power and glory and might. Father, I pray that we would see you lifted up, high and lifted up, oh Lord. I pray that we would be able to have spiritual eyes this day given to us, that we may marvel at your glory. As David said, this one thing that I seek most, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon your beauty and to inquire in your temple. Holy Spirit, come this day and join, O Lord, with Mount Zion, your beloved people in whom is your delight. Father, may it please you, may it please you to dwell and abide among us. Make your holy habitation, Lord, in this temple and may your glory come and may we do nothing, Lord, in no wise to offend you. <clears throat> God, I pray for your blessing. May your face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> amen. Ha hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> amen. I, I want us to um, <clears throat> turn to um Matthew 28 Matthew 28 See one of the very important things that we have to realize as the church of Jesus Christ that it's not just a matter of being believers in Christ Okay Um it's not just a matter of being believers in the Lord Jesus. Um, it's a matter of being disciples of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Because there are many believers this day <clears throat> that are not true bona fide disciples. We just believe. Um, we believe as demons believe. You know, some people believe because it's the way they were raised. Some people believe because it's just culturally, um, it's it's a you know a thing that's culturally acceptable or praised, and so they become believers, right? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be believers, but the point though is that we need to be bona fide disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means that we are learned ones. That's what it means in the Greek. Is, is the Greek is mathetes, and it means learned one or student or pupil. And we have to learn the ways of Christ. 
And we can't learn the ways of Christ apart from the inspiration and the revelation that is given by the Holy Spirit. Amen? <clears throat> and so, um, right here in, in uh, Matthew 28, you see that Jesus is risen from the dead. See, that's how you know that our gospel, our our religion, if you want to use that word, is a, a religion, a gospel of power, is because the one who authored it, grave couldn't, the grave couldn't hold him. He rose again from the dead. He rose again from the grave. He rose himself up. Right? Buddha didn't do that. Muhammad didn't do it. Krishna didn't do it. No, none of these other religions or other, these other people could do that. But Christ, being the author of life, the pangs of death couldn't hold him. So he rose again. Hallelujah. He mic dropped. <laughs> he did a mic drop on the devil. And so in verse 16 of Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. You know, see, people today would get offended with that, right? Go to the mountain, you know, because he tells his disciples to go to the mountain. And, you know, disciples, well, believers this day who aren't disciples will say, why? I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. You know, I, I was just going to go somewhere today. The, today's my weekend. How dare you tell me to go to the mountain? Don't you know that involves climbing? Don't you know I'm going to break a sweat? Don't you see, Jesus, I haven't been to the gym in a while and I'm kind of out of shape. How dare you tell me I need to go? Right? He didn't give no explanation. He just told them to go. Let me ask you this question. Would you be offended if the Lord told you to do something that didn't feel so good? Some of you would say no, but you're offended if... if you're not making it out for prayer. You're not you're not you're not being consistent. Jesus tells you to wake up early in the morning to pray and you don't. You see? Amen. This is what separates us from just believers to disciples. <clears throat> I love you, Lord, but you won't you won't make the sacrifice. That doesn't be that doesn't mean be suicidal and just do you know, dumb stuff to, to your own detriment. But it means when the Lord tells you, in, you know, impresses upon your heart to do something, are you going to say no or are you going to say yes? Amen. You know, if, if I was a Christian based off how I felt, I wouldn't be a Christian because I always feel, not always, but many times I'll feel down in the dumps. I will feel that my, my body aches. I will feel things coming on me. I feel that, uh, you know, the devil tries to instill sorrow, tries to instill fear, tries to instill all these things. And if my life as a Christian is based off how I feel and not anchored in the word of God, then, you know, I, I, I'm bipolar. Amen. Amen. Multiple personality disorder. <laughs> 
No, we have to be rooted in the word of the Lord. Whether I feel it or not, whether I'm happy or not, whether I'm sad or not, whether I'm rich or not, it doesn't matter. The word of the Lord says what it says, and therefore I will do what it says I should do, not in my own strength, but in the strength that God provides. Amen. But verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And can't you imagine that? You've seen the Lord risen from the dead with the nail marks still in his body, and they're doubting. This is why I don't bother with atheists anymore. If you don't want to believe, you don't want to believe. It's as simple as that. Don't waste my time. You know, even worse than atheists are the the unbelieving believers who claim to be Christians, who say they believe in uh, uh, the Word of God, sola scriptura, scripture alone, right? But they discount the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think they're worth, worse than atheists to me, to be honest. They, and I'm not talking about the ones that are genuinely ignorant. And when I say ignorant, that means uninformed. I'm talking about the ones that know the biblical arguments. They know they have no good ground to stand on. And they will even perhaps see other believers operate in the gifts. And they still deny them. Unbelieving believers. Um, <clears throat> but they doubt. So the, the reason why I say I don't bother with atheists anymore because seeing isn't believing. See, uh, you have to realize that the most, that at the end of the day, that, that unbelief, that the strongest form of unbelief comes down not to a genuine doubt, but to a rebellion against the truth. That's what unbelief ultimately is. You will not to believe. It is your will. You will not to. Amen? Because you can have your doubts and you say, I will to believe still. I will. I'm, I'm making a conscious act of my, my, my will. I'm deciding to believe. Forget how I feel. Amen? Amen? And so many atheists and many cessationists who don't believe in the gifts, they will, they choose not to believe. They don't want it to be true. They're an ostrich with the head in the sand because they don't want the consequences of, of what comes with that being true. And so they'll stick their head in the sand. They're like the kids, you know, that, that close their ears and they, they go, nah, 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 nah. That's what they're doing. They just have more of a, an adult way of doing it. They'll insult you. They'll tell you you're a false teacher, that you're a heretic, or you're just ignorant. They'll say all this dumb stuff. But verse 2, it says, um, hold on. <coughs> you know, I'm sorry. Let, let us uh, go down to, um, verse 18 now. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We'll stop there. And so Jesus has been given authority, okay, from the Father. And now he is conferring that authority to the apostles. Now, let me say this. This might offend some of us, but this might also liberate some of us. Okay, 
What I mean by liberate some of us is there are many believers that are taught that this applies to everybody in the church. It does not apply to everybody in the church. Otherwise, you're one of the most disobedient Christians because you've never baptized someone. And you're going to go to the grave not having baptized anybody. Do you realize how many Christians out there have not baptized anybody? I guess you just suck as a Christian then. No, that's not true. It's that this doesn't apply to every believer. We have been told by Isaiah Saldivar, uh, Vlad, you know, all these guys that you need to do this too. You need to go baptize. You need to go. And that's not true. It just, it just isn't the case. <clears throat> Let me prove it by context. So do we understand what context is? We're going to do a little bit of a, a learning lesson here. You know what context is? So let, let me give you an example. Um, um, I, 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 let's suppose that there is a, a teacher, a professor in college, right? And he gives a student an F or a bad grade unjustly. That is to say that the student actually got a very, very good grade but the professor just hates that student so gave him a bad grade just for the sake of it and then the student walks in and he cracks his knuckles right and it's just him and the teacher and he says we're about to have a good time and he goes like this with his fist does he really mean we're gonna have a good time no what informs you that he meant otherwise what informs you is the context in which he made that statement. The context is teacher gives bad grade for a bad reason, right? And so the student walks in, right? Does the, t the student really want to give the teacher a good time by buying him a box of chocolates or something like that? No. So, um, all right, brother, we love you too, man. God bless you. Um, no, we know that the student wants to probably punch the professor's lights out or something like that. Wants to knock him out, right? So we know that the context dictates the meaning of that statement. So what is the context here? Who did he call to himself? He called the 11 apostles to himself, not the 11 Christians. This is an important distinction that you have to understand. Are we following so far? Right? He didn't call anybody else. He called the 11 apostles to himself. Now that is important to note because we we see, what, what do we see throughout the book of Acts? Who do we see baptizing? We see uh, apostles baptizing. We see evangelists baptizing. We see, in other words, ministers baptizing people. Well, co great commission and baptism go hand in hand. Amen. You are not called to make disciples if you are not a minister. I know that's, you know, mind-boggling. How dare you say that? Yeah, I dare to say it because it's true. Okay, so what does a minister do? Amen. A minister teaches, doesn't he? 
Or doesn't she? Right? Amen. So if if everybody is called to teach, who's doing the learning? It's just simple. (laughs) It's just simple logic. If everybody in the class, when you go to college next time, stands up and starts teaching, who's sitting in the seats? Who are you talking to? No, everybody's in the seats and there's a teacher that's teaching the students. Amen. Are we following along? Amen. This is what I'm trying to teach you guys is because we've been told different in the body of Christ. We've been told that everybody can just teach. Everybody can go baptize. Everybody can just do all these things. And it's not true. Then why isn't these people doing these things? Why haven't they cast out a demon? Why haven't they baptized? It's not because you suck as a Christian. It's because there's not the grace on your life for it. Or you're just in the beginning stages of first needing to learn, then eventually do it. Amen. It's not, you know, for those who are called to the ministry, it's not like, you know, Paul, the first day he got saved, he's already doing mass deliverances. Even Paul himself didn't. It says that he grew in wisdom and stature. And for some, that might take you longer. For others, they may excel immediately in growth and, 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 you know, have a, a, a great amount of growth in three years. For others, it's five. But nonetheless, and for others still, maybe seven. Some people, you know, they catch on later. You know, but the point that I'm trying to make, though, are we following? Let amen. Type amen if, if you are. <coughs> but he calls his 11 apostles to himself. Okay, and so let me let me say this now. The context is Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus receives authority from the Father. Okay, he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then predicated on that statement, in in on the basis of that statement, he then says this in verse eighteen, uh, verse nineteen. Therefore. Go and make disciples. I've received authority. Therefore, go make disciples. What is the relationship between those two statements? I have authority. Now I'm giving you authority to do that. You see that? I have authority. Therefore, because I've received authority, I'm now giving you authority. Now, here's a, here's a revelation that many Christians don't want to acknowledge in the body of Christ today. Not all Christians have authority. Amen. Let me prove it from the scriptures. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And, and keep your thumb there in, in Matthew 28. Uh, he, Hebrews chapter 13. Um... Excuse me, hold on. Okay, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. 
I'm going to show you from the Word of God how this is true. Okay? Because you won't look. Please hear me out because I know this will require hard unlearning for some of us. And I'm not trying to make it difficult. But you have to get this because these are foundational teachings. Um, I know for many years I used to believe this too. I used to believe oh, we all have authority. And it's just not true. Now, and see, some of the greatest learning will, will occur when you start unlearning stuff. Amen? Unlearning can be painful. See, if all your life you're told that a dog is a cat, because mama told you it was a cat, daddy told you it was a cat, teacher told you it was a cat, so when someone finally comes along and says, hey, psst, that's a dog, you're like, how dare you? You're crazy. You'll even laugh in their face and think how crazy they are. But it's like, what do you want me to say? It's a dog. I can pull it up in, in the dictionary and show you that it's a dog. And you still won't believe me. You'll think that, you know, that they got it wrong. Everybody else is wrong except you. But anyways, verse 17 have confidence in your leaders. That's another thing. Because the word confidence is the word pistis. And it means faith. People say, don't put your faith in men. And to an extent, that is true. But then, but, but here's the thing. Think about that practically. If you really are to have distrust in everybody, that means you listen to nobody. And that should include yourself. Why should you rely on your own thinking process? You have to basically throw up your hands and say, I know nothing. But you can't live that way. This is why one of the qualifications for leaders is that they be found trustworthy. Amen. So you can trust in them. See, if you have distrust in those in whom are trustworthy, then you're in sin. But if you are distrustful, of those who are not trustworthy, then you are wise. How would you like it if you told your children, hey, don't trust me? <laughs> okay, if you want to believe that way, tell your children that, tell your wife that, tell your husband that, tell your those who you've employed, tell them that. If, if you're consistent, it, you know, and tell them that, especially if you're faithful and you're trustworthy, you're consistent, tell them that. No, it's an offense to your character. Amen. Okay, so, <clears throat> but it says this. Um, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Okay, so, and then it says, because they keep watch over you, as those who must give an account, do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So, <clears throat> why does it specify their authority? Okay, do those who have authority submit to those who don't? No. Don't... As, as much as I dislike this puppet, uh, Joe Biden doesn't submit to me. He, he's just like a hologram or something. 
He's just not. He's, he's not even there. <laughs> he can't even lead a kindergarten classroom. I don't get what's wrong with these liberals. Man. <laughs> he can't lead himself. He don't even know where he's walking. He's just. He's stumbling everywhere. You know, for please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but so he went to a black church, right? I thought that was fake. I thought people were so good at editing, they put him there because he was so out of step with how everybody was. I was like, yo, this is real? I see. I seriously. <laughs> I was, Anyways, <laughs> come on, you guys can laugh. This this is kind of funny, you know. It's fat. It's it's funny, but it's sad. It's sad, but it's funny. If you guys haven't seen it, that's probably why you're not laughing. Cause he's just like out of it. He's like, I don't know what he's doing. But the point that I'm trying to make, though, is that I don't submit to my wife. And I'll say that in an arrogant way. I, I don't. Please hear what I'm saying. It's it's in a respectful way. It's in a you know a dignified. It's 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 in a loving way. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, uh, foot soldiers don't submit to generals. Wives don't sum, uh, Husbands don't submit to wives. Presidents don't submit to civilians. Okay. Does that make sense? So the church submits to the ministers. And I understand that there's abuses. I understand that there's a lot of people out there who are not trustworthy. They're lovers of money. They're lovers of ego. They're lovers of all they're lovers of false doctrine. Okay? Obviously, there is no submission to them. But when there are people whom God has sent who are actually in alignment with the scriptures, not man's ideologies, but alignment with the scriptures. They're filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with wisdom, are trustworthy, are reputable, are above reproach, then it behooves you to submit to the authority. But the point that I bring this passage up is to show that there is a separation between minister and Christian. While every minister is a Christian, not every Christian is a minister. Amen. And for those who are ordained by the Lord... Right to minister the Spirit, to minister Christ, to minister the Word, they have authority. Okay? Now, there's a lot that can be said about what that authority implies. Let me just, real quickly, and without proving it, because um, <clears throat> I don't have time to go into this, but they have authority to distribute communion. All Christians don't have authority to do that. They have authority to baptize. Not all Christians have authority to do that. They have authority to marry. They have authority to administer the word. That is to say, you know, uh, to make disciples from the scriptures. They have authority to cast out demons. They have authority to do those things. Okay? And so, this is why... Um, it, distribute communion that means handing out the bread and the wine when jesus broke the bread and distributed the wine he said this to his apostles you do this in remembrance of me 
Yeah. And and you know the interesting thing there is the word that he uses in the Greek is the same word that's used in the Old Testament in the Greek Septuagint that denotes a priest's offer of sacrifice. So did all have authority to offer the sacrifice? No. He says this specifically to his apostles. He says, you do this as a priestly offering. Does that make sense? Again, just think about it from a practical standpoint, aside from the biblical standpoint. From a practical standpoint, if all could do it, then all would be doing it, and then who receives it? If all of us are supposed to do it. Amen? Like, for example, and this isn't to shame any of us. Some of you wouldn't even know what to say if it, if it required for you to baptize someone. You, you, would, you, would, you would feel like, oh, the spotlight's on me, and what are I supposed to do? And You, you get what I'm saying? So, um, like John the Baptist didn't go in the Jordan River just because he thought it was a cute idea. He was sent there by the Lord. So, I know that this isn't, you know, so faith-inspiring to hear this, but it's, you have to learn these things. You you really have to unlearn stuff and and then learn the truth. So, um, so he says to make disciples. Now, let me ask you this. Again, just from a practical standpoint, my brothers and sisters, really think about this. Do you see, okay, for some of us, we will be able to say yes, because we're called. You know what, let me say this. Some of us will, some might even say no as believers, not because they're not called, but because they don't believe that they're strong enough or, or mature enough to do it just yet. Okay, so I recognize that there are some people who are called that might say no, but for the most part, everyone who who will say no to this is because they're not called. Is <clears throat> and when I say called, I don't mean called to salvation. I mean called to ministry, in in the sense of making disciples. Can you see yourself legitimately being responsible and obligated for maturing the life of another believer in prayer? in the word, and caring for their soul. That means you're answering their phone calls. That means you're teaching them from the scriptures, Old and New Testament. That means you're you're imparting revelation to them. That means you're leading them in prayer. That means when they, they have a havoc, you know, chaos in their life, family is being ruined, guess who they call up? You. Lead them in prayer. To counsel them. Can you see yourself doing that? And it's probably, or eventually see your, even if, can you eventually even see yourself doing that? And if the answer is still no, it's probably because God has you in a different lane. Amen? Does that make sense? Amen. <coughs> uh, go ahead, sister. You have a question? 
Sorolla. Did you mean to raise your hand? Oh, all right. Um, <clears throat> so, does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. It, it, it's like, look, it's like me. If I, if I try singing, I don't have the grace to sing in my life. Why am I going to try to stretch myself to lead as a worship singer? See, the problem is that in the body of Christ, we want to be everything to everybody. And we don't want to stay in our lane. You have to stay in your lane. You have to know what God has called you to do. And do it. Amen. <clears throat> because if we start swapping places, then everybody's not going to want to show up. Because we got the guy with the terrible voice leading worship. We got the people who don't know how to play instruments up there. Right? And then, you get what I'm saying? And so it's just, it's chaotic. We don't want that. So he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So let me ask you this question. Are you a disciple? You know, Jesus says in, um, you don't have to turn there, but it's Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Um, he says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So a part of discipleship is to be taught how to be like Jesus. And look, let me correct another thing, my brothers and sisters. So many people in the body of Christ say, the Holy Spirit is my teacher. And they discount, they disregard men and women as teachers in their lives. See, you have to understand that there are things that the Holy Ghost will not teach you apart from another man or woman. Amen. While it sounds good, it is nothing more than mere religiosity, mere religion that is, is covering up pride. Amen. Either it's ignorance or it's pride. Look, it, it, we, this is the truth in everywhere else in life. Why is, it that, why is it that children need parents to teach them? Amen. Amen. What if they just said that God alone is their teacher? Are you going to accept that? Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. God is my teacher. I don't need to learn from you. How about saying that to your employer? You probably won't get your check next week. <laughs> See, we like saying it. We, we love saying it in the church, but we won't live that out in our day-to-day -day life. Amen.
Now, some of us are thinking... <coughs> some of us are thinking of the scripture in 1 John. It says, you, you have no need for a man to teach you. You have to understand context. You have to understand that there were Gnostics. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. And Gnostics claimed to have a special knowledge. And they were infiltrating the church, trying to teach them, the sheep, these false teachers, Gnostics, were saying, we have a special knowledge you don't have. And so John was recoiling. He was combating that, says, you don't need these people to teach you. Amen. Because otherwise, Ephesians 4 talks about the necessity of teachers. So what do we have? Is that a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. You have to allow these verses to be kept in their proper context. What is the background knowledge that relates to what the, the, the author said? You have to understand how to interpret Scripture. Otherwise, you'll think that Jesus actually wants to cut off your hand. What wants you to cut off your hand when you sin. Amen? That's not what he's asking us to do. <clears throat> so, um, we following? Amen. So, And let, let me let me say this. Um, real quickly, I want us to turn to First uh, Timothy, uh, but keep your thumb there in uh, Matthew twenty-eight. Um, it might be Second Timothy. Okay, Second Timothy, Chapter One, Verse Six. Once again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, For this reason, I want you to read it. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, <clears throat> which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Why is this so important? And then he says, for God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the gift there, verse 7, clarifies what the gift is in verse 6. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you will see that the gift of the Holy Spirit was not given by just Timothy praying. It was given through the laying on of Paul's hands. And this is another thing that ministers have authority to do, is to lay hands for the reception of the Holy Ghost on the person who needs it. 
And I know that so many people don't believe this. People think that I can just pray and then it will happen. No. God gives grace to ministers so that there will be an impartation. This is why he says in Romans, he says, I want to impart to you some spiritual gift. Why can't they just get that from God alone? Amen? See, also, this is why, why is it that so many demonized people still have demons? Even though they can pray to God all day, but that demon won't leave. Amen? See, the answers that God has for people are locked up behind people. Amen. I I feel like it's funky. I feel like so we're not we're not uh, resonating with this. <coughs> um. Why do you call up certain people for prayer? Because you know that a breakthrough can come when. The grace that is on their life flows down to yours. Amen. See, this is why, um, this is why even in examples, like for example, like um, if someone is needing direction from the Lord and they don't know what to do, sometimes they will go to a prophet. Why? Why don't you just pray about it? Because there's a grace on their life that you can access, but you can't get by yourself. It's just simple as that. And the, the reason that we don't like this is because it hurts pride. We want to be able to privatize everything to where it's just me and Jesus. But Jesus himself didn't make it so that you can do that. Amen. So people think that they're doing God a favor by saying... Oh, that teaching is dangerous because it's putting too much, uh, it's elevating man or, or some stuff like that. But if God himself has appointed certain people to bless other people, then who are you to be offended at that? <clears throat> Again, I'm just reading the text. It says what it says. How did Timothy receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Through what? Through the laying on of Paul's hands. Yes. Exactly. So God inspired that moment. God inspired that act. See, th this is what I'm trying to teach you guys. Look, for some of us who had received the gift of tongues, you received it in this meeting. Amen. 
And there are some others that used to be a part of this group that received it in this meeting. Why? Because of the prayer that was made for the receiving of an impartation. Hallelujah. So you can't just say, it's me and Jesus. Because Jesus has ordained for this to be the case. And so, really what I'm teaching you isn't, you know, you know a, a fun, you know, faith-inspired, you know, hoorah, you know, that sort of stuff. It's a foundational teaching that has to be reintroduced to the body of Christ. <clears throat> it has to be introduced to the body of Christ. So, now when we come back to... Um, Matthew 28 19 therefore go make disciples of all nations you have to remember this this is a good principle and it's that the scriptures are not written to you they're written for you so Paul wasn't writing to you know you specifically he was writing to the church of Colossae the church of Corinth the church at Philippi and their specific needs their specific issues and so we have to understand who was speaking and to whom were they writing. Because this was said to the apostles. He says, you go and do this. Again, let me throw it out there. If you haven't baptized anybody, either you're in the infant stages of your ministry or you're a disobedient Christian. Because why are we not fulfilling this passage? Obviously, there's an issue of sin, right? Unless that's not applicable to you. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. Because let me, let me tell you also another reason for this. I want to help liberate the Christians that feel this huge burden on them that they shouldn't be having and this huge guilt um, <clears throat> because there's a lot of believers that have a huge guilt saying thinking I just can't do this stuff I just can't make disciples I don't see myself street preach I don't see myself casting out demons I don't see myself and well great Hey, awesome. Yeah, because God has something else for you to do in his will. Amen? Amen. God, God is calling some of you just to be a, an entrepreneur. God is calling some of you to be a plumber, a contractor. God is calling some of you to be a political official. God is calling some of you to be fashion designers. That's where the grace is on your life for. So don't feel this immense burden that you can't bear that doesn't belong there to begin with and feel this false guilt that God isn't giving you. See, because... See, for some, like for me, if I need like a new, uh, uh, real good clothing, I need to call some of you. If I need, you know, uh, you know, something recorded and played, you know, uh, uh, like a music put together, 
Like I'll I'll hit up Malachi. You know? Amen. Or I'll you know what I mean? Because I can't do it all. I can't be it all. You can't do it all. You can't be it all. And so there's a specific grace on your life for something specific. And it isn't to make disciples. It's to be a disciple. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. See, for, for some of us, we feel a sigh of relief. But to those whose ministries are built on teaching others that you need to do what they're doing, they will get offended. Why? Because they'll lose their fan base. Just hyping everybody up. Hey, you can do it. You can do it. But no one ever does it. <laughs> Let's just be realistic. <clears throat> so, it says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. <clears throat> you know, and no offense. You know, um, sadly, see, let me teach you one other thing and we'll move forward. Like, for example, myself, I'm called to the ministry. And this is no boasting or nothing like that. But I can read, uh, 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 I can read for one year as a new believer, and I will come out with more with reading the same amount every single day than someone who's smarter than me who isn't called who's been reading for five years. The re is it because I'm smarter? No. And if you're called to the ministry, the same will be true for you. Because there's a grace for revelation on your life. See, this is why, for example, for those that you have the grace to sing, I can practice and practice and practice for 10 years. And let, let me tell you this. I've been walking with the Lord for almost 12 years. I've been singing many songs for many years of my life. This hasn't been developed really well. <laughs> And you, you came out of the womb and you sing great. Why? Because you're graced. I'm not. It's more than just skill. It's anointing to do something for which God has predestined you for. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. It, but that's good news. That means you don't have to burden yourself with all this other stuff. You know, I remember there was a time in my life where I wanted to be sovereign. I wanted to eliminate dependence upon everything. And I realized how unrealistic that is. Because where does your food come from? You might say, well, I'll cut those people off. Then it, it just ends up in this endless web of needing to cut off everything and everybody. 
Because you can place distrust upon everything. I mean, on your phone, you're like, my phone is bugged, so I'll need to create my own company to create my own phone, so my own phone service, right? So I don't have to rely on everybody, and then I don't trust the food industry and what they're putting in my food, so I have to cut them off. I have to buy property and buy land, right? And it, it, it's just not, and then you'll say, oh, I don't trust those who are making these. I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know. And so, okay, now you have to start creating your own clothing. You see how that, it's an endless cycle. At the end of the day, your trust has to be in God that he will lead you to the right people and the right things. That's 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 how you resolve the problem. Yeah. That he will remove wicked people and place righteous people in your path that will benefit your life. So you don't keep getting uh, 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 the short end of the stick by people who keep exploiting you. Amen. It's not about removing the means of your life, but rather trusting God for the appropriate means and the appropriate people. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. Because what happens if in your pursuit of cutting out everything, you end up failing yourself? People don't think about that. You're flesh and blood just like the people whom you know who you see flaws and problems in. Amen. We're all in need of a savior. <clears throat> and it's just that some actually go to the savior and others don't. So let let us uh turn to Ephesians chapter four. I want I want to show you um, this too. I want to break this down to you, then we'll close. Man, where is this? Oh, here we go. So Ephesians chapter, well actually Ephesians chapter 3, <coughs> beginning at verse 1, <clears throat> I want you to see this, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, <coughs> um, he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Ah, do you see the separation there? Paul's saying, look, God has given me a specific grace that will benefit you. It's the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So, they were to benefit from Paul's life. right? He says, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. So, why didn't the Ephesian church just receive revelation by themselves? The revelation was given to Paul, and then he then makes that known to the church at Ephesus. 
For this is also the same reason why there, there are evangelists who receive the revelation of God's grace who make it known to lost men. Why don't lost men just lead themselves out of the pit? Blind cannot lead the blind. You must see in order to lead. Amen? We have too many blind guides today. But look it. He says, In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to, not known to the people in other generations, as it now has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So the point, though, is that revelation was given to Paul, and he's making it known to the, to the church at Ephesus. So the grace that is on his life is benefiting them. Right? And then he talks about in verses 14 through um, 19, he talks about his prayer. Uh, he has a specific prayer for the church at Ephesus. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. For what reason? For the reason that Paul was made was was a minister to them that they might benefit, right? So Paul is trying to impart revelation to them, and so now coming to verse fourteen, he prays that their eyes would be opened even further. So Paul is teaching them, and then secondly, Paul is praying for them. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. So he is saying, look, my prayer... First of all, I'm teaching you that you may know. Secondly, I'm praying for you that you may know. Amen. Know what? The boundless riches of the love of Christ. That their inner man may be strengthened. That together with all the Lord's holy people, that they may know this. Amen. And so to what end? You see there in the last clause in the verse in verse 19 that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. So there is a full measure that you must reach. This is the end goal as Hold on. This is the end goal as a disciple that you reach the full measure, that you reach maturity. Amen. And so for this reason when we come to Ephesians 4 verses um, 11 and onward it says so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and he talked about that knowledge in the chapter prior right and become mature, attaining the, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you see that? So guess what? That means your maturity 
is the end goal of being a disciple. And to be a disciple, you must be taught. And in order to be taught, God has given you that structure there in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Apostles, prophets, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen, somebody. Now, the reason why I think this is so crucial for you to understand this. <clears throat> Look, why did Paul say this? My little children for whom I travail in birth pains until Christ is formed in you. Why did he say, hey, you know, forget me. You travail yourself. No. Why did Paul say, why did John say my little children? In fact, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians. Well, well, I think we might return back to Ephesians 4. And I'm sorry, it's just these verses come to my mind. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Not verse 1, I'm sorry. Give me one second. Oh, excuse me. It's First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians chapter four, verse fourteen. <clears throat> and this is what this is what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Okay? So and then he goes on to say, Even if you had ten thousand guardians in Christ or teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So you see here that Paul is using specific language. He says, I have become your father through the gospel. Right? And so you think about that relationship of, of parenting and being to learn through that platform of being parented. 
and he uses that form of language and and he introduces it to the church and says this is a way of lifestyle even in the church this is a way of things that god has instituted even jesus said my little children john writes my little children paul writes my little children and it doesn't mean it's not it's not a dis, it's not a disrespect to your age or even life experience or your your wisdom it's not a disrespect to that right it it is what god has appointed for your growth in things that pertain to life and godliness amen does that make sense and so now the reason why this is important is because what has been taught in the church is that everybody is a father everybody is a mother and so now there if everybody is doing that there's no children to raise and the problem with that is telling children to be fathers and that's why many continue to remain infants because children are trying to do what fathers do amen is you can't expect children to raise children you know i i'm blessed because um <clears throat> in the classes that the school have you know the school uh that i work for told me to to um help out in they needed a strong male figure because some of those males <clears throat> some of those male students want to buck up against the teacher and i'm like yo i look at them in their eyes and said that ain't happening sit down do what you're told now Amen. now that might come off as rough but you know i'm like yo yeah i don't say this but in my head like it ain't happening get it right and like you know i i put my foot down i you know some of the ones that continue to be rambunctious like i say hurry up drop and give me 10 push-ups <laughs> Give me jumping jacks. You're going to continue to walk laps until you know how to act right, talk right, speak right. And it's not a power trip. But it's one thing I'm trying to teach these kids is that we're the adults here and you respect your elders. Amen. You respect them. They're not your they're not your homeboy. They're not your pal. They're not your buddy. Right? Respect those who have mileage on them. Respect those who have age on them. But I say that because, you know, children left to themselves will do what they want to do. And that's why we need uh, uh, strong men and women to arise who have backbones, who have been called by the Lord to begin to disrupt those foundations and to begin to create new ones. Amen. Because basically, what's going on as as a as an educator is is we're trying to educate when when the the parents unfortunately have done a poor job, and the kids have been left to themselves to to teach themselves. 
And so it's it's a it's a it's two two hats that we have to wear where we're trying to educate them, but they're so immature and lacking in discipline that they can't. They can't focus. They don't want to focus. They want to do what they want to do. Amen. Amen. So you have to start teaching them morality. That's wrong. You know, this is right. Like, for, for example, my son, even as a kid, he's only five years old, but we homeschool him and he gets educated. And yeah, he has his off days where he don't want to do it, but he still does it. Why? Because daddy says. Because mommy says. I, I, it don't matter how you feel. It is what it is. Do it. <laughs> and that's that's what needs to be taught to this generation. It doesn't mean that we're insensitive. It doesn't mean that we don't come alongside and say, you know what? If you do this for daddy, you do this for mommy, then we might be able to go play later. We'll go to the park. Or we'll do something. We'll accommodate you. What can we do to help you learn? Because I get it. I was there. I was a kid at one time. And I know that it sucks waking up in the morning, going to school. But hey, if you don't learn that now, guess what? You got to work later. Are you going to treat work that way? Amen. Let, let, me get, let me say this. Are you going to treat corporate prayer that way? I don't feel like it today. I don't want to. <laughs> right. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. <laughs> hey, let, let me say this. You know there's times I don't wanna lead in prayer. You know there's times I'm tired. You know there's times I got my battles. You know there's times that I'm afflicted. You know there's times all hell is breaking loose. That's not to guilt trip anybody. But it's to show my humanity. Hey, I, you know, I got bodily pain. I got issues. I got, you know, a lot of these things. But it, but the thing is, what has the Lord told me to do? Amen. And not only that, I'm not only motivated for my love for Christ and what he's told me to do, but I'm motivated for my love for you all. I'm motivated from, and, and I'm not looking for handout, and I'm not even looking for anything in return. I'm seriously not. I'm not looking for applause. I'm not looking. I just want you to be faithful disciples of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to develop a prayer life. I want you to live a holy life. I don't want you to be swayed back and forth like Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. <clears throat> I don't want to see I don't want to see that. The Lord don't want to see that. And I know you don't want to see that. Amen. And so um And we'll, we'll, you know, I'm sorry. We're in Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter five, verse twelve. This is what Paul says. Oh, it's not even. I don't think Paul wrote this, but anyways, um, the writer of Hebrews. 
verse, beginning at verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone. Now, be un, uh, I want you to understand that Paul, the writer of Hebrews, is writing to those who were formerly priests under the old covenant. And so he says they ought to be teachers. Right? Not everybody else. So I don't have time to go into the details about that. But there's context clues that you pick up through. And I've studied this book probably more than any other book. There's a lot of meat in this book. So there's a lot of context clues that you have to be very mindful of to, to read in between the lines to see what all of this is about and some of those specifics. But anyways, he says, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. See, the... There's nothing wrong with being an infant. There's nothing wrong with being a baby in Christ. Okay, let's make that clear. But when you should be in college and you're still a baby, there's something wrong. If I see some of you guys still drinking milk from a bottle, we're going to have issues. I need to talk with you. <laughs> you know, when I was a little boy, I I loved chocolate milk and my mom and my dad told me for some reason I always had to have two milk bottles. And if not, I'd cry. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, that's that's funny." But but the point that um I bring that up is Hey, look, There, he, the writer of Hebrews says the time you ought to be. There is a time that you ought to be. See, when, when <coughs> there's a time you ought to graduate, right? There's a time for these things. There's a time and season for everything under the sun. So if you have accomplished something beyond the allotted time, while that is better than not doing it, don't expect people to applaud for you. Because sometimes things so late in life is not so commendable. Amen? It's better than not doing it. Let's make that straight. But you might not get the sort of applause that you were expecting. But then he says, look, he says, who by constant use, that means constant training, constant practice. That means you got to pray when you don't feel like it. That means you got to read the word when you don't feel like it. It means you got to obey when you don't feel like it. By constant use, you distinguish now good from evil. That means you sharpen your minds and your perception to be able to see what is God and what is not. Amen. Yeah. In Luke 24, Jesus chided and rebuked his disciples because he says, You who are slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken, 
You're slow to believe. You're slow to understand. You're slow to perceive. And then look at People always wonder about what is milk. He says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary, elementary teachings about Christ and take him forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. So, you know, preaching on repentance is milk. There's a lot of preachers that love always talking about repentance. Guess what? You're still preaching milk messages. I shouldn't have to keep speaking about repentance. I'm not saying that there isn't a place. But if that's all we know, lost men absolutely preach repentance all the time. You better not be talking about other stuff to lost men. They need to hear that. But to the church, there should come a time where we don't have to keep saying, live holy, stop doing that, repent from those dead works, and put faith toward God. And he says, in a faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, God permitting, we will do so. So, in, in that last verse in closing is, hey, <clears throat> let's move from infancy and immaturity and let's reach maturity. Uh. And the means through which God has ordained your maturity is what was read in Ephesians 4 is submission to leadership, sitting under the preaching of the Word of God, receiving knowledge, right? And applying that to your life. That's how you grow. You don't grow by knowing everything under the sun. You don't have to run to that and run to this, so maybe I need a little dabble of this. It's just very simple. Amen? Amen. Because I'll show you this. You know, you have you been there when you were a young kid and you said, Man, I can't wait till I'm eighteen. I'm gonna go out and do my own thing. Right? Or am I the only one that said that? Well, it gets better when you become an adult in some ways. Not always, but some ways. And I would submit to you that it's better when you become a mature Christian than an immature Christian. Because you stop worrying about the things you used to worry about. And guess what? You don't have to keep repenting every single day about the things that bring you guilt. Can I say this? And I'm not saying it in pride. I live in victory. I don't live in guilt every day. I really don't. And let me be honest. There's When I go to prayer, there's something I don't even know what to confess. When it comes to sin. And I say that genuinely. I don't say that to make people feel less than. I say that so that you know that to obtain victory, stop listening to what John MacArthur says. I mean, he, he, he looks like a corpse. He, he don't have no joy. Yeah. 
Oh, we're just supposed to live defeated. No, we're not supposed to live defeated. You're not a wretch. You're not a sinner. Amen. You are a saint. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus. You have a new identity. You can walk in victory over sin. And you can live that way from here to eternity. Amen. Amen. And so to have a clear conscience, walking in obedience, the joy of the Holy Ghost, great faith, not living in anxiety. You know I don't live in anxiety. You know I don't live in worry. I, I really don't. I, I honestly pray about these things. And I have confidence and faith toward God. I really do. You know why? Because I've stretched my muscles in prayer. And I've seen God come through again and again and again and again and again. And so I live by faith. It's not trying to earn favor with God or try to... No, it's I already have favor with God. Now I just need to walk in it. I need to believe it. And I need to walk in it. I don't need to earn it. It's already given. I just need to walk in it. Amen. So let, let's 